0: Just this last week, I was reading a story uh, about a, a kindergartner, and there was a kindergarten teacher who uh, she was uh, perusing through the room, and she was kind of you know, walking around, and she was watching because kids were drawing and having some kind of art time, whatever, where she comes across uh, this little girl named Susie. She's like, Susie, what are you drawing? And Susie's like drawing all kinds of creative things. She's like, I am drawing a picture of God, uh, which the teacher was a little bit startled. She's like, well, all my life I've heard that nobody's ever seen God at any time, and so nobody could know what God looks like. And little Susie just looks up to her. She said, well, you give me about another three minutes, you'll know exactly what God looks like. <laughs> so obviously we've heard through the scriptures that you, you cannot, no one's ever seen God at any time, and we don't know exactly what it looks like. But here's what the scriptures do for us. They show us the character of God. Uh, and more than that, I think as we read our Bibles, as we encourage you as leaders to do that, we're growing in knowledge of God and also growing in conformity to His character. And so though we haven't seen him and we long to one day see God face to face, we can still grow in his likeness each and every day. And we want to just encourage one another today as we open uh, the Bible to uh, grow in the character and the knowledge of God. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn with me. We're going uh, to mark two places and we're going we're gonna to read Colossians chapter 1 uh, here in a few moments uh, and we're going to read verses 9 through 14. And then we're also going to go uh, to the left of Colossians to a book called Philippians. And we're going to read in, in chapter one, and we're going to read uh, quite a few verses there as well. Um, over the last handful of weeks together, uh, we have been walking through just a kind of a brief series to kick off our year called The Prayer for 2022. Uh, it's really just a prayer for us as leaders, for our church. And it's just a reminder uh, for all of us to walk in faithfulness to the Lord. And, and really, that's the Probably the greatest challenge for a lot of us in, in our Christian walk is not that we don't love God, but it's oftentimes it's a challenge for us just to remain faithful. It's a hard, it's hard for us just to, to not, you know, when we stumble, to not get back up. And so we just want to be encouraging one another, and, and that's what I want to do today, is encourage you in God's word. Uh, together. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, if you don't have a Bible today, we're going to put it for you up on the screen so you can see it. You can make a little note and go back and check it out. Or if you don't own a Bible at all, we would love to bless you with a free Bible on both of our campuses by simply going to our Connection Point. Uh, you can find one of our serve team members, or you can find pretty much anyone here that's a part of Stone Point. You can ask them where Connection Point is, and they'll, they'll point you the way. You can get a free Bible there at the end of our service. Um, now, if you've got your Bible open to Colossians chapter 1, which is found in the New Testament, this is a letter that Paul, the apostle, wrote to a group of people in Colossae. Yeah, Paul wrote r- lots of different letters and he wrote some to, to people. He wrote a couple to a guy named Timothy. He wrote one to a guy named Philemon. Uh, he also wrote them to the various churches. He wrote one to Rome and it's called Romans. He wrote one to the church of Ephesus it's called Ephesians. He wrote one to the church of Corinth it's called 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He wrote one to the church of Galatians called Galatia. Well, here he wrote one to Colossae um, and it's called Colossians. We're also gonna see he writes to, to a little group group of, of people, uh, the Church of Philippi, and we'll see that in a second. But he's, in both of these cases that we're studying today, he has prayed specifically for this group of people, and we're covering the prayer. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, we've studied this prayer over the last three weeks, and I just want to read it to you real quickly. It says, And so, from the day we have heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, and He's transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, So over the last three weeks, um, we've covered each section of this prayer. You can go back and see it online. I'm going to sum it up for you real quickly. Here's what Paul is encouraging the church of Colossae to do. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And what he meant was walk uprightly. He goes, "Walk, walk in such a way that you don't continue to fall in the same hole. Hey, at some point when you find yourself tripping and falling in the same hole, he goes, hey, find a different street. Hey, when you, when you get on a different street, hey, get a different group of people to walk with you. And don't walk alone. Walk uprightly. Walk in the ways and the instruction of the Lord. Bear fruit, which means do things that, that would please God. Make decisions that are wise. And he goes, grow in the knowledge of God, be strengthened in Him, and endure with all joy. And he uses the word endure there, which is the word I have on my shirt, which is called hupomone. So maybe you're here, you're like, what in the world does that even mean? our Bible that you have in your hand was written originally in Greek if it's in the New Testament. This is the Greek word that means patience, endurance, or steadfastness. I was talking to a couple of uh, people after the service and he goes, I have named all of 2022 Hupomone 2022. He said, I have had a really, just a struggle of the last couple of years. This last year has been really tough on me. And he goes, and I am just encouraged to, For 2022 to endure had another guy come up to me at the end of the service and he goes hey man I have had a a, a Mustang that I've had for the last 30 years he goes I've worked on it here and there he goes but I just named my car hupomone (laughs) he goes because I've got to endure I just got to press on and I'm like hey good for you man Uh, that's what Paul's encouragement was to the church of Colossae hey press on endure walk uprightly bear fruit Honor God. Why? Because he's qualified you. He called you out of darkness into light. You once were not a son. You are now a son. You once were not a people. Now you are a people. You're my possession. You, you once were lost and estranged and alienated, but now you're a daughter. Now you're a son. And so he goes, live like that. Now, Paul writes a similar prayer to this group of people in Philippi. So if you have it, your Bible, you can just go one book back uh, and you'll land in Philippians. In Philippians chapter one, this is what Paul is writing to them here in a few moments, uh, just about how he's encouraged by them. Now look, here's what I want you to know. Philippi was one of the leading cities in an area called Macedonia. Uh, Paul and Timothy... Um, and a handful of others go to Macedonia after a kind of a little bit of a sojourn and a trip. They land in Macedonia after several events that incur. And then once they get there, they meet a, a lady named Lydia. And Lydia is converted to Christ. She's baptized. And then she begins to host Paul and Timothy and, and those friends in her house. And the early church there in Philippi is started under a tree, um, is, is where they first met. Um, it's not too long after that that... Um, You also see uh, another uh, girl who was demon-possessed and was working for a a a, a group of, of people uh, that she becomes free. She's free of, of the demon possession. She turns and follows Christ. That's also, if you've ever heard the story about Paul and Silas being thrown into jail, well, because they made some people mad, they're thrown into jail, and that's when uh, they begin to sing to the Lord, and then the, the jail cells fly open, and there was a Philippian jailer there who was about to to take his own life because he was afraid that Paul and Silas and those that crew had escaped, and then Paul, as he's about to take his life, they yell out and they're like, no, don't take your life. And he's like, what in the world? Well, he's converted to Christ as well. And so the early church in Philippi starts under a tree. There's a handful of conversions there. There's um, Lydia, there's a, a, a demon possessed girl that's now free. And then there's a Philippian jailer and his family who have seen the loving kindness of God. And that's the early church. And listen, here's the deal. Everyone to start a church? Here's what you need. You don't need a good band You don't need an awesome building. Apparently, all you need is a tree and some people who have just come to know the loving kindness of God. That's it. And then take God's word and share it with one another. That's all you need. I mean, that really is as simple as it is. You don't need a preacher. You don't need me. Like, what you need is somebody who will stand up and proclaim the loving kindness of God. Before others. And and friends, that's what I want you to understand. The church today in America is in a lot of ways becoming, if we're not careful, a glamour show. Um, and, and if we're not careful, our preferences lean to those things. And, and listen, I, I can get caught up in it as well. But if we're not careful, we're looking for the best ministries, the best things for our kids, we're looking for the, the 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 entertainment, we're looking for the music, we're looking for all these things. And listen, can I just tell you that the church doesn't need any of those things? What you need is God's word, a tree somewhere to meet, a bridge, I don't know, wherever you could stay dry and warm, a fire, that'd work, uh, and some people who love the Lord. Sound good? Praise God we've got a little more than that. (laughs) But that's what you need. And in Acts chapter 16, if you're kind of making notes, you can go read all that for yourself, but either way, it lands Paul writing a letter to the church that he planted, and he hasn't been there for quite some time, but he's writing to them to encourage them because he is now in a house arrest. He's in Rome. Um, Timothy, uh, his buddy, is is nearby, and he's obviously helping him in some way as they collaborate on this letter that Paul is the author of. And in Philippians 1, verse 1, it says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives them this greeting. He says, hey, grace and peace. To you Now listen, you can't have peace without God's grace. So he goes, hey, may you have God's grace and may you have his peace. And then verse three, if you look at it, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always, you can underline the word always, in, and then you can also highlight or underline the word every prayer. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a devoted man to prayer because what he just said, I thank God in all my remembrance of you, church of Philippi, Always in every prayer of mine. So he goes, Anytime I pray, he goes, I am recalled by memory of you, Church of Philippi, and I pray with you with, and he says, with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he uses the word partnership there, which is the Greek word koinonia. And so maybe you like Coupe Monet and you're like, I'm going to make a Greek shirt and put koinonia on it. Okay, great. It just means fellowship, okay? Partnership. That's what it means. And so In the gospel, he goes, you have partnered. And that's why Paul loved this church. The reason Paul loved them is because Paul knew that this church was kind and they were generous and they were thoughtful. And he goes, and you have partnered with me in the important things, the gospel, the good news. So Paul, knowing that he is under arrest by Rome, sitting in prison, writing a letter to a group of people who he says, you've continued to do the main thing. You've continued to see gospel conversions. You've continued to teach and proclaim God's word. He goes, you are doing what a church should do. And for that reason, I pray for you every time I pray. And I'm encouraged by your partnership or your fellowship in the gospel. He goes, keep it up. That's what he means. Now, what's interesting is he goes on and he says this verse in verse six, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he goes, you've partnered with me. And he goes, and if God began a work in you, he'll bring it to completion. Now, let me explain this real quickly. When he uses the word began, what he's talking about is the idea that a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ. So... The way that we come to faith in Jesus Christ is we acknowledge at some point, like our friends did on the video, that our life is unmanageable, that our life is rooted in sin and pride, or that at some point we realize that we cannot drive our lives well without ending in the ditch. And at some point what we do is we declare to God that we believe in Him that we believe in his son Jesus, that he was perfect and he died on the cross for us in our place as a perfect substitute. And then we relinquish control. And we say, Lord, I no longer need to drive because I'm a mess. And so Lord, I'm gonna move from presidential in my life to merely residential. And I'm gonna ask you, Lord, forgive me, live in me, change me, make me new. And you preside or be president over my life. And when that happens, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So we, we move from being aliens, orphans, and strangers, or um, as some would say, children of the devil, now we can be children of God and we can live in light and fellowship, koinonia with others, and we can be a part of the good news of the gospel. That happens when the transfer takes place or when God begins to work in us. Now, Paul is what he's saying. He goes, I love you guys in Philippi because he goes, you, you've cared for me. He, he's, he has somebody in mind and he's talking about a guy named Epaphroditus who left the Philippian church and traveled and brought means of financial aid to Paul. He goes, you've partnered with me. You've provided for me. I love you. And I'm convinced that if God began something in you, he's gonna carry it all the way to completion. Now completion, when Paul says that is this it's the day that you stand face to face with God. So he goes, he begins a work in you so that you can have salvation and you can have a life of godliness with him. And he's going to carry you all the way to the life of completion where you stand before the presence of God where you would stand before God and God would would either uh, bring you into a part of his family because you have known him and he began to work in you or it's the point in time where God would actually say away from me for I never knew you. But it's the idea that you would stand before God. It's the idea of white throne judgment. Now, what's interesting is, is that if he begins to work, Paul says he'll carry it into completion on the day of the Lord is what he says. Now, the day of the Lord is the day in which you and I would stand before him. Now, what's interesting, though, is this. What happens in between? Because there's a lot of us that were like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to stand before God. Well, look, you can have confidence in this. And we're going we're gonna to talk about this next week in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can be confident that if he began a work in you, that means that God lives in you. You've experienced his loving kindness, his forgiveness. You can be confident you'll have no problems standing before him on the day of completion. It shouldn't be scary or fearful in any way because you know him and he knows you, which we praise God for. So what Paul goes, he goes, I started to work. God began to work. He started to work. He's gonna carry it until the day of Jesus Christ where you're in it. But the question that I have for you is, but what about the in-between? Okay, so if you go to a grave marker and maybe you go... Have gone to one at some point not too long ago. Uh, Kelly and I were actually uh, uh, visiting her grandparents' markers. They're all kind of there together. And but you'll you know you'll look up and around you and you'll see another marker and it's got a birth date and then it's got a dash, but there's nothing on the end. And you go, well, that person's still alive. Okay, uh, here's here's what I would ask you: um, Have you stood before the Lord face to face? No, that's, okay, that, that, that's not a hard one, okay? You're like, I don't know, have I? No, okay, if you're still here, you haven't stood before the Lord. So here's the good news, here's the good news. He began a work in you. He wants to carry it into completion. But what's interesting is that God's interested in the dash. You, you have a beginning point where you were born again God's carrying you to a place where you would be complete but what he 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 wants he's concerned about what's what are you doing in the in between the dash of your life uh, what's happening right now what what are you doing and paul goes i'm convinced that god began a work in you and he's going to carry it unto completion and that's his prayer because paul writes something similarly to the church of uh, ephesus in ephesians chapter 2 you might remember paul just says hey you Uh, you and I are his workmanship. And he says, and we have been created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The idea that Paul is talking about there is that, hey, he began a work in us. He's using us to do good works in which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what he's saying is, is what are you doing? Are you doing any good works for God? That's what he means. Um, God is concerned about what's happening right now in your growth. Now, your growth right now is a big churchy word called sanctification, okay? Sanctification. Sanctification literally just means this, working out your faith, your maturity with fear and trembling. Just as you would work out your muscles in the gym, you and I are to work out our faith. We are to work out our salvation. That's what Paul's talking about. Paul is telling the church of Philippi, hey, you've done well, keep it up. He goes on and he says this in verse seven, it is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Paul says, I love you and I feel the way I do about you because of what God is doing in you. So he goes, hey, keep it up. And then Paul prays a, a small prayer for them. And in verses nine through 11, you see what Paul's prayer is for the church of Philippi. Let's look at it. He says, and it is my prayer, here it is, that your love may abound more and more. And he uses the word love there, which is the word agape. You ever heard anybody say agape? Uh, agape love is different than phileo. Um, phileo is more the romantic type of love. Agape is your brotherly love. He goes, hey, um, it is my prayer that your brotherly love, your affection for others grows. It abounds more and more. Now, here's what's interesting is this type of love, if you look at the New Testament, um, is really important, but there's a few things you should note. This type of love, according to 1 John 4, 7 through 10, is a love that comes from God. It's not a love you can manifest on yourself. You can't, you can't increase or abound in this type of love by your own accord. So you have to have had a new work began in you to love others with this type of love. Um, This love is to abound towards others. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, you see that. That's what Paul's prayer is for this group of people, that they would increase all the more in love. This type of love, according to Romans 13.10, does no wrong to its neighbors. This is a a kind of love that doesn't revile in return. This love surpasses knowledge, Ephesians 3.19. This love uh, promotes unity. Ephesians 4. Um, also Colossians 3:14. This love is intended to help you serve one another. Galatians 5.13. This love is the one that covers over a multitude of sins. Have you ever heard that? 1 Peter 4:8. This love is the one that comforts and refreshes others, according to Philemon chapter 1, verse 7. This love is from God, and it is for the purposes of God. Struggling with forgiveness. Love is what increases your ability to forgive. It's your love abounding all the more. That is how Paul begins his prayer. So think about this. Paul writing to a group of uh, uh, people in Philippi in which he actually planted the church. That would be like me writing back to you after some years of being away and saying, hey, I hear about how your love continues to abound. Hey, I'm so pleased because of your partnership in the gospel and what you're doing. Keep up the good work. And that's what Paul is doing. He's writing to a group of people he knows, has met, has seen converted. And he goes, and my prayer is that your love would abound more and more and more. That that would be the thing, that you would love others. That he doesn't stop there. He says, and that you would do that with knowledge and all discernment. But it's interesting because Paul puts it in order. He goes, I pray that your love would abound all the more with knowledge and all discernment. But he makes sure, and you'll see that even in his letter to the church of Corinth, that you don't get it backwards. Matter of fact, uh, he tells the church of Corinth, Paul does, that it is actually knowledge that puffs up a person, but it's love that builds up a person. So what's important is that you and I don't get it backwards. If you're after the quest of knowledge, but you don't have love, he goes, you're going to have it backwards. Matter of fact, if you remember 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, you've heard it at a wedding or something, you know, love is patient, love is kind, all these different things about love. One of the interesting things that Paul says about love is this. He goes, if you have all the prophetic powers in the world, he says, if you have uh, the ability to understand mysteries or knowledge, he goes, if you have faith, the kind of faith that moves mountains, and he goes, but you have no love, then he says, you are Nothing. So what Paul is including here, and what he's saying, he goes, I pray that your love would abound more and more and more and that it would do so in knowledge and discernment. Why? He says the answer in verse 10, so that. So the emphasis is, I pray that you would love people better than you ever have, that you would grow in wisdom and knowledge so that, the purpose of the so that is so that you would approve what is excellent and so you would be pure, and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, what's interesting is he said, if he begins a work in you, he's gonna carry it into completion. When is completion? The day of Christ. So Paul is saying, may your love abound and may your knowledge increase so you're prepared for the day of Christ. So what's the preparation for the day of Christ? He says it's, it's really a couple of things. One is that you would approve what's excellent, that you would be pure and that you would be blameless. Now, when he uses the word approve, he uses the word the Greek, dokimazo, um, which is to see things that differ. Y'all remember Sesame Street? Yeah? yeah? Um, one of these things is not like the other. That's the word he's using right there. One of these things is not like the other. Doc, uh, Mazo, it, it means that see the things that differ. He goes, may you have the ability to approve. Would you see what's right and what's wrong? Choose what's Right? Why? Because it makes you pure and blameless. And he uses the word pure there uh, and the word in the Greek is which literally means without wax. Okay? Without wax. So um, if you had a person who made a vase in, in, you know, in the New Testament times or in the first century um, they, they make a vase or whatever and, and when they go to refine it it cracks a little bit. Um, how, how, do you, how do you sell it as a hot commodity? You take wax and you stuff it in the cracks and then you paint it. But it it didn't hold up. That's what he's saying. He goes, may you approve, see the things that differ so that you're pure, that you don't stuff wax and stuff. I would use the makeup analogy, but I don't think that one's going to fly today. So I'm going to... And then you would be blameless. And he uses the word aposkopos, which literally means without stumbling. So now think about what Paul has been saying. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord uprightly. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. He's saying something similar here that you might be blameless. The idea of blameless is not that you would be pure and white in this text. It's meaning that you don't stumble over and over and over and over again. It's without stumbling. That's the idea. So here's what Paul is saying to his friends. He's going, hey, listen, may your love abound more and more. And when you grow in the knowledge of God's word, would you adjust accordingly to his character? Would you allow him who began a work in you to carry you until the day of completion? Be prepared to stand before God because of what he's doing here in the land of in-between. Grow in character. Grow in blamelessness. Grow in purity. And grow in this, knowing that every single thing in your life is for a purpose. There is nothing trivial. And that is really what Paul, I think, is encouraging them in, in more than anything: is that there's nothing trivial; that your whole life is in preparation to stand before God. Now, have you thought about that? Like, the, as a believer in Christ, as one who has fellowship with God, everything that you have on your journey, as you are to walk uprightly, everything in your journey is an opportunity, even if it's an obstacle, to grow in Christ. There's nothing trivial. And so as Paul is praying and and he's trying to encourage his friends, he's just saying, look, everything is in preparation for the day of Christ. And, And when he's talking about this idea, he's just saying, look, I'm praying that you would discover between what's good and evil. But I'm also praying that you would also discover between what is really good and great. So even time perspective, he goes, I'm praying that you'll have the wisdom and the knowledge to understand the good things that you're doing are not the great things God wants you to do. That's Paul's prayer for them. He goes, you can get caught up in a lot of little side hustles over here. And these little side hustles, these little experiments over here detract you from really what God wants you to be doing. I don't know about you, but I'm the king of that. And look, they usually pay a, pay a pretty high price. But what I find myself doing, oftentimes, I, I know I'm walking in a way, and I'm like, okay, this is the way I want to walk. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I take this path, because I'm like, you know what, this, this seems like a really good idea. And it wasn't a bad idea, just wasn't the best one. And I just want to encourage you, look, our goal is, is to approve Be pure, be blameless for the day of Christ. And look at verse 11. He closes this little prayer for them. And that you would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. So he goes, what's the purpose of your life? It's for the glory and the praise of God. And that you would be filled with righteousness. Now when I think about filled with righteousness, there's two verses that just come to mind right away. One is just Galatians chapter 5, 22 to 23, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against those things, there is no law. You see all these fruits, the character of God. But another verse that comes to mind for me is Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, which simply says this, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. So, I think there's one part of me that goes, oh yeah, I'm going to live a, a, a fruitful life. I'm going to love others and to exude joy and peace and patience and all those things. But there's another part of me that if my life is going to count, that I'm going to be the tree of life for somebody. And that I'm going to capture souls that are gone astray. That I'm going into darkness for the purpose, the sole purpose of actually encouraging people to come out of darkness into the light. And, and can I just tell you real quickly, friends, The only reason, the only reason that I came back to Van Zandt County even though I I really didn't want to was because I believed wholeheartedly that this place was in darkness and there were people that need to experience the loving kindness and the light of Christ. And by God's grace, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to the mercy and the knowledge and the love of God. But there was very little attractive about this option to me. But what I just want you to realize is there's very little attractive about the way that's narrow and leads to life. And I think that's what Jesus says, isn't it? He goes, hey, there's very few that are going to find the narrow way. Because what? what? Most of us, we want to live our own life, be ruled by our own dreams, and we want to be the king of our own domain. And Jesus just says, hey, look, that's going to lead you to a place where it's not fruitful and it's not productive, and the end leads to death. And so friends, I would just encourage you to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Let me close with this. It reminds me of a little story uh, about a teacup. Uh, This teacup was actually sitting in a little pottery shop in the heart of England and where a couple walks into the store and they see this teacup on the shelf. And the guy is mesmerized by its color and its texture. and, And he looks at it and he grabs it and he looks to his wife and he says, oh dear, look at this cup. This is one of the most beautiful cups I've ever seen in all of my life. She looks at it and she oohs and awes. and uh, sure enough, they, they feel like this is the cup for us. We're going to walk out of here. Well, all of a sudden, the cup starts speaking back. And the cup goes, oh listen, I wasn't, I wasn't beautiful. A matter of fact, just not too long ago, you should have seen me. The cup says, I was simply just a, a big hunk of red clay. I was hard, and, um, and, and my owner, uh, you just met, he took and he began to shape me. And he goes, I rem- remember that day. He, he pounded me up and down, decrease, decreasing me and increasing me and molding me, shaping me. And I remember saying, No, 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 this is painful, this hurts. And the little cup says, and then next, he, he he took me and he put me on this spinning wheel. And he goes, and he began to spin me a wheel. And he was drowning me with water the whole time. And I was coughing and choking. And all the while, as I'm spinning, and he goes, I grow dizzy and I grow weary. And I'm the whole time screaming back and forth, let me off of this wheel. Let me, what are you doing to me, you crazy old Man. Sure enough, he just continues to spin him and all the while he can feel himself being shaped and it's, it's painful and it's hard and he's like, I don't know what he's doing to me. And sure enough, he finally takes him and he slices him off the bottom of the wheel and he takes him and he begins to put him in this kiln and he goes where it was really hot. And he goes, he puts me in this place where it's really hot. And he goes, and I began to sweat. And my sweat moves to tears. And he goes, and it's painful. And he goes, let me out of here. I went out of here all the once where he goes, I see one little little peep through where I could see my owner looking at me. And i look at him. And he goes, with confusion in my eyes, he simply looks at me. And he goes, not yet. He goes, and I stay in there and I bake and I bake and I bake and finally he opens up that door and he lets me out and for a few moments I'm like, oh, finally, I take a deep breath. He only uh, takes me and he puts me on this shelf and then when I'm on that shelf, he goes, I finally begin to feel like a new person, something new. And he goes, I take a deep breath and it's finally cooling down and I finally can begin to clear my mind with all at once he grabs me and he begins to throw fumes and paint on me. And he goes, and I'm again choking and gagging and perplexed. And he goes, and this, this not only tastes horrible, but it smells horrible. And I am not enjoying in this process. And again, I begin to say my owner leaves me alone, put me down. Which after uh, a few hours of glazing and putting stuff all over me, he goes, he throws me back in his furnace. And he goes, and this time it's twice as hot as it was the previous time. And he goes, and I am screaming and kicking and I'm in tears and in pain. And he goes, and I'm wondering what in the world is this guy doing to me? He goes, and he finally he pulls me out of this this oven, this oven baked twice as hot as I've ever experienced and he puts me on the shelf. And a few hours later, he brings a mirror and it puts it in front of me. And I'm surprised because he goes, who in the world is this? That can't be me. And he goes, and then we have this debate back and forth and the owner's like, yes, that's you. And he goes, and I realize, I realize that when you were a lump of red clay that you wanted me to leave that way, but he goes, if I would have left you as a lump, of, a lump of red clay that way, he goes, you would have you cracked and, and you would have dried out and you would have stiffened and you would have been useless. And he goes, and I know I threw you on that wheel and I put water on you and I molded and shaving you. And I turned you until you were dizzy, but he goes, if I would have left you there, he goes, you would have simply crumbled. He goes, and I know. Then I put you into the heat, and if, if I wouldn't have put you in the heat, then and I would have left you there. He said you would have you, you would have looked the part, but he said you had been brittle and you would have cracked, and you would not have made it. And if I would not have thrown some color on you, he goes, you would be lifeless, and and, and you you wouldn't be the the thing that you are now. You wouldn't be a treasure. You wouldn't be a beauty to behold, because I put color on you. And I know the process was hard. I know it didn't taste good. I know the fumes were were not what you wanted, but he goes, now you are something. And he goes, and I I get it. You were then thrown back in the heat, and it was twice as hot as ever was. But that heat is what has prepared you to endure That he's the very thing that made you steadfast is the very thing that will make you a useful vessel for years and years and years to come. Friends, I want to just encourage you in a couple of things. Life is hard. Your life looks different than my life. Probably most of us, if you're parents or you've been parents, you go, I just want to find a few hours this afternoon where I can just sleep. I just lock myself in a room and have some quiet time where I can just, in some ways, just be what I want to be, the way I want to be with no one else in my face. Listen, can I just tell you, God called you to more than that. He called you to bless another generation, to invest when you're tired, to press on when it's hard. I get it. There's many of us in this room that enduring is difficult. Because this last year, like my friend that I shared earlier, it has been hard. You, you've lost loved ones. You've lost people that, that you care deeply about, whether it was a spouse or a brother or a sister or a mother or father. And, and you, get, you just get to the place where you're like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And, and I just encourage you to press on. Can I just help you to understand nothing in your life is trivial? Painful? Yes. Hard to endure? Absolutely. But not trivial. Parenting's hard, marriage is hard, life is challenging. I get it. Right now, you're, you're in parenthood. It's the worst hood you'll ever go through. <laughs> Press on for the cause of Christ. Hey, love your wife, serve her well. And can I just leave you with a couple of quick things? My prayer for you is that you would love more and more this year than you ever have. You'd be known for that. You'd be known for your love. That You'd be known for your patience. Gentlemen, there's a handful of us in this room that we're too quick to anger. You're not, lo- you're not known for patience. You're not known for endurance or steadfastness. You're not known for love. Hey, be known for love. There's some of us in here that we need to grow in wisdom and knowledge. And look, at, I'm not talking about Bible knowledge for the sake of using it against somebody else. Bible knowledge, when you truly understand that, Paul is saying it increases your love the more you know the character of God, not things about him, the more you know character of God, the more you'll display his loving kindness and his attributes. Grow in that. I would just tell you my hope and prayer is that you wouldn't do that alone. I would pray that every single person here would do that in community, that you would do that with people, whether it be in a journey group or in a region group, but that you wouldn't do that alone. That would be my prayer for you. I've increased so much because of fruitful people in my life. My prayer would be that you would be pure and blameless that you would walk uprightly, that you would grow in the character and the knowledge of God, and most of all, that you would produce fruit, the fruit of righteousness that brings glory and praise to God, that God at the end of our lives will look at us and go, hey, I've made you into something beautiful. Hard? Yeah, you were a lump, but then you landed in the potter's hand, and when you got into the potter's hand, I, I needed you, I shaped you, I molded you. I put color on you. I put you in the heat because I wanted you to be a useful vessel. It's interesting because Paul wrote about that, that we are to be useful vessels in the potter's hands. That's my prayer for you. Be a useful vessel. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement to us through your word. Lord, I pray that you would help many of us in this room to endure. Help us to honor you in the things we do and say in the way we live our lives. I pray that many of us in here would, would honor you, not just by the way we live our lives, but even the things we stick on the back of our car. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't separate these different components of our life, but Lord, that we would realize that everything we have, everything we do, we are to see the things that differ. We are to look around us and discover what what one of these things should be different? And I pray that we would choose that and that we would be pure and blameless until we meet you face to face. Lord, it's gonna be a long journey for many of us and a shorter journey for many of us. But either way, I pray that you would use us as useful vessels in your hand. In Jesus' name.